0: welcome to the nursing home podcast your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day
1: i am been a long-term care financial specialist what that means is i help people plan for the inevitable Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care.
0: Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Shmuel Septimus. Okay, and we will say we are live. So today, uh, we are going live as usual on LinkedIn. Also, you can follow us on Facebook. Um, today, we are going to discuss something very interesting. Now, I can say from personal experience as an administrator for a number of years. And during my time as a nursing home administrator, one of the number one goals that we're always trying to accomplish is census. Now, if you're in the nursing home space, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, let me explain. The goal always is you need to fill the beds. You need to make sure that you have the maximum number of patients or residents in your nursing home in order to increase the revenue of the nursing home. The what drives how does a nursing home make money? We're not even talking about profits, we're talking about total um revenue that comes in. It's all from the from the residents that come in. And then we can build their insurance or if they're private pay or whatever they are. The challenge always has been: there are thousands of nursing homes in this country. There's where do all the patients come from? Generally, they come from the local area hospitals. You'll get once in a while admissions from the community. But for the most part, you're going to get them from the hospitals. These are people who came in for a procedure and they need short-term rehab afterwards. Sometimes they came in for something else. It could have been an emergency. It could be they fell at home. And now in the hospital, they are starting to realize that, you know, it might not be safe to go back home. And now they have to try something new and they end up in a nursing home. Either way, the nursing home's job is obviously to provide the highest level of care for every single resident that they take care of. But they, they also, if they don't get the patients in the front door, they have nobody to care for, and the business is dead. So there are a lot of different ways. Everyone has all these different ideas of what you're going to do, um, to of all these different ideas of what you can do to go and get those patients. You're gonna go out to the community, go to the senior centers. You're gonna go to the local hospitals, right? Where did the seniors start? Let's Let's track their path. Let's find where they are in the community. right? Let's see where they are. I see um, we have some people leaving comments are excited that this conversation is happening. So thank you totally. I see Brian, you're checking in. Thank you. The question always is, how how do you get those patients? How do you get them in the front door? So many CEOs, many owners, many uh, people higher up on the management side are saying things like, you need to get in touch with the hospital's You need to, the directors of case management has to know who you are, the case managers, the doctors, anyone on the hospital side, you need need to have a personal relationship with them. And in the past, that was something that was doable. You know, like they say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So that doesn't sound correct. It sounds like, you know, from a patient care standpoint, it sounds like it shouldn't be based that way, but there's so much competition. And if you rise above the noise, then you're gonna get, you know, special attention. So, but that, but now hospitals, many of them are closed. Many of them don't allow you in at all. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to hear about you. They want to do their job, take care of their patients, send them to you, and they don't want them ending back up in the hospital within 30 days. They want to have a happy, safe experience at their nursing home partners. So the question I want to address today with today's guest is, is there still, is nursing home are, can nursing homes be successful through developing these relationships with their hospital partners, even today in 2020? Is that still doable? And if it is doable, is that even effective? Or have nursing home have hospitals shifted the way that they send patients out, where that's less important? So, with that little monologue, I don't think I've ever done such a long monologue in a while. Um, I would like to introduce today's guest. Today's guest is is Frida and it, Forgive me if I mess up your last name. Sarusuk. close. All right. So Freda is going to, is Freda the CEO and founder of Athene Telehealth. And, but even before we discuss anything about telehealth, she has the unique background where she has worked for some of the very large nursing home companies, as well as managed a team of hospitalists and hospital organizations, and really clearly knows both sides of this equation. I don't think we can find someone more qualified to have this conversation with so welcome to the nursing home podcast
1: hello guys i'm so excited to be here today and to show some and share some of my knowledge about census because that's really my first passion and that's really how i got into the telehealth business is because of census is being able to retain the patient not just being able to get them but being able to retain them and giving them a good overall experience. So,
0: Got it. So so let's dive right in. Um, and as we dive right in, I actually, may, I might show some of the comments on the screen that people can see onto the conversation. So thank you to those who are who are leaving these comments. You know, we have a, the chance to uh, to show this. But now, so I'm a nursing home administrator. I actually am. I meant the, I meant theoretically, but I actually am a licensed nursing home administrator and I have a facility, I come in there, I'm all aggressive, I want to roll my sleeves up, and I find out that we have reputation problems, and I find out that we have, obviously, a census issue. I find out that we have a morale issue, we have staffing issues. I start digging in, I start seeing what's going on inside the facility, and and my job, and the reason why I was hired, is to try to correct some of that. Or I'm a regional director of operations, and I have five, or 10, or 20 facilities. Or I'm a CEO, and I have multiple facilities that I have to manage. Now, I know that the patients come from the local hospitals, is is it still beneficial in 2020 to do relationships still drive um, where, where hospital patients are sent on discharge? And let me just explain my question, because I know that 10 years ago it was much more prevalent that if you know the right people, they're going to send a stream of patients to you. Because the, And the reason is, and that was legitimate, because they knew that you're going to provide at least the same level of care as maybe your competitors. And they knew... that when when they're sending to you, it's going to be at least okay. And they have 20 people to choose from. They know you because your parents went to school together or because you know them from the community or for whatever reason, or they know you professionally, so they're going to send to you. Now things have shifted, right? And now the hospitals are focused. There's so many other metrics. That the hospitals are being judged by, and they're looking at their readmission rates, and they're looking at balance backs and they're looking, and they they want to they want to discharge the patients even earlier than they were in the past, and they want you to hold them on to for a shorter period of time, you the nursing home people. So, uh, do people higher up in the hospital chain still influence decisions as to where patients go?
1: Okay. Well, to answer that, I wanted to give you guys a little background of where I started, because I started as a floor nurse um then i became a charge nurse so i know how important census is i saw it on the clinical side and i was able to see it in a management side and the finance side um the clinical side where the director of nurses are responsible to not send patient out and to retain census and make relationship with the doctors that are coming to the facility Mm -hmm. and um on the finance side where i was working with ceos and owners of nursing homes nursing home operators where they need to meet certain census because they're working with a bank and they need Mm -hmm. to meet census every single day um you know it's very important not just you know for everyone but um, to maintain a census we're able to provide jobs to cnas to nurses we're able to create programs and develop them, and give give higher raise pay. Um, so that's why it's very important. So you know, my background with nursing and marketing both help me. Um, you know, in you know, in building my relationship and my strategy.
0: So actually, if let, let's let's uh, let's develop the point a little bit further here for a second. How does a nurse, someone who you're on the floor, and you're very involved in the clinical aspect? Of what's going on in the nursing home and obviously you care deeply no one becomes a nurse unless they actually care about other people how how did they even evolve into the business side of things how did that happen
1: I was a floor nurse and um I was you know I was I was a full-time floor nurse and um the CFO he noticed um my presentation and, and how I'm always talking to doctors and the doctors are very friendly to me the family are very friendly to me and you know You know, it's a cliche, but I, I, I was that friendly nurse. Where everyone goes to, the doctors always come to me. Where's the lab work? What's the results? Can you take me to the patient? Even though it's not my patient, I was very customer service was very instilled in me in nursing. Mm -hmm. This is what we need to teach nurses and CNA. While we're on the floor, customer service is very important when it comes to family members and doctors because they're that's the driving business force and that's what brings business to us if we're friendly to people they would want to come back and they're gonna say this is a nice place everybody greets me everybody's very accommodating and um you know so he came up to me and he said you don't belong on the floor i'm gonna put you out in the hospital and you're gonna get patient and this was the time when one of the unit was shut down because the census wasn't keeping up and they had to cut down cna and nurses hours Um, I was in Somerset, New Jersey, um, and they gave me to, they they made me a liaison, a hospital liaison, where I had to go to the hospital. I had no training. They got me credentialed, and they dropped me off in the lobby. I didn't know where to start, and little did I know.
0: Go fishing, right? Bring them in.
1: You have to go fishing. (laughs) Little did I know, I was, I I opened up the whole unit. It was a 60-bed um, subacute and we were running and, you know, and I was doing the 20 days turnover and I was admitting patient and I got to learn everybody. I got to meet everybody and build relationships. So it started with that. A CFO told me I should be on the floor. I shouldn't be on the floor. I should be outside talking to doctors and marketing. I should be the face of their company. And that's where my career began. I didn't know I was hurting other companies' senses. And when that happened, job offers started coming and, you know, I started working for a corporation and, you know, and that's, you know, that's basically where it began. Amazing.
0: Kudos to the CFO for seeing a nurse on the floor. You know how desperate the nurses are to get staffing on the floor. Okay. If you have a good nurse on the floor with good customer service, sometimes you might say that the last place you want to take them is take them out of the floor, right? And you finally have someone there and the nurse is not telling the family members uh, I'm sorry, we're short-staffed today, or I'm not picking up the phone, or the person at the door can wait another 10 minutes. You have a nurse who's good on the floor and understands the clinical product, sees the bigger picture, uh, and then to take them out into the field, that takes, you know, that's a decision that it takes the CFO to make, but it was the correct decision because the same way you were able to relate to people on the floor, you were able to relate to people um, right. in the real world, not the nurse. I
1: was the nurse? I wanted to say this. I didn't know anything about census nurses didn't care or cnas didn't care we hated when we get admissions because that's work for us now i was removed from the floor i understood how important it is to have a full census because if you have a full census you're able to give more hours to your cnas to your nurses you're able to build programs chf copd sepsis we're able to give bonuses and this is for staff development really if there's no revenue coming inside how are we gonna become better in providing you know um other things we were able to throw christmas parties um because you know we my 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 subacute was 65 and we were full we had 40 medicares and you know i took insurance and we didn't take any medicaid at that time um mm-hmm. you know we didn't it was a company where we we didn't we you know we just didn't take kids and it was private pay and Medicare but um, yeah so um, well
0: did you ever have the opportunity to go back to the floor and explain to the nurses how important census really is
1: to be honest because I was coming from the floor so what I would do were always short staff um, and mm-hmm. I I was promoted as the director of admissions and marketing and I was the nurse liaison, Um, they would call me at 6 o'clock when when somebody would call out 7 to 3, and I would come at 7 o'clock, pass the 7 to 9 meds, go to the hospital at 10 o'clock, get my admissions. I only stay in the hospital for 3 hours. I don't stay more than 4 hours in the hospital. I get my patients, I go in the hospital, and I go back to the building, and I pass the the 1 o'clock meds and then they would have people so i was you know i played different roles and i think that was part of my success because i just dive in and i just did what i have to do i mean have you ever you've been you've been an administrator for a long time have you ever met a nurse who would pass meds at seven o'clock to nine o'clock and then go to the hospital and get admission no usually not i did that in arbor Glen, arbor Glen in bridgewater ccrc and my nurses, they called me. They didn't call the director of nursing. They called me because they knew I was going to pass the medication. I knew the patient. I knew the patient that, that I was bringing in. I built relationship with the family that I was bringing in. I understood their diagnosis as a, as a nurse. I understood, um, you know, the nursing care plan. So I was able to do my med pass and go to the hospital. And well, you, you we can't you can't find people like that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm.
1: do bare minimum, right? We pass meds. You get patients.
0: There, so I'll say there are. There, there certainly are. There are some people who all they want to do is they're clinical, which is what they're doing. That's what they're hired to do, and that's fine. Um, I have had staff who, in one department, where see they're super talented. in Another department, I actually once took a resident and hired hired a resident as a receptionist, business office manager. I think now she's an administrator. Um, there are a lot of times you'll find people in strange places, and if you're open to it, and if you don't really care where they're supposed to be, and you're just looking out for their success and the company's success in that order, their success first. I had someone interview for a position, maybe a marketing position, and during the interview, she was telling me how she really always wanted to be an administrator, and what's it like. And I'm like, okay, uh, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, and it seems like a great fit. I showed her all the places, you know, I, the resources she needs to keep on moving in that direction. I said, I'm not hiring you. This is the wrong position for you. Um, I, as far as I know, they're not hiring for my position yet. So there's no availability here for administrative, but get going. And if you have any questions, here's my number. Call me. I don't know what the end of that story is. I don't remember the name of the person either. But the point is that, that you know, to kudos to the CFO. And kudos to you to understand that just because you start off as a nurse doesn't mean you need to stay there. And it doesn't mean that by leaving your training was for nothing. You're still providing patient care in a different way, and in some ways, in a better way. And so let's just go to the next step. So now you're a clinical liaison. You're in the hospital. Your job. You have tons of pressure, right? You have more pressure than almost anybody else. A lot of times, the CEO, a regional director of operations, they look to their liaisons as the the ones who have the key to the goals, right? You're the one who's going to figure out. um, You're the one who's going to figure out exactly how you're going to uh, get the patients from the hospital into the nursing home. And they gonna call you and text you and harass you until you make that happen sometimes. Um, what did you do? You came in there, you had no training. How, how were you successfully able to reel in those patients from the hospital to the nursing home?
1: I think my, story is very, my success story is very different from other people. I think marketing and business development was my calling because mm-hmm. when I got in there, I felt like that's where I belong like I was having fun it wasn't I, I I didn't they didn't have to do census calls um, I enjoyed bringing patient I enjoyed meeting people and mm-hmm. that was my passion and um, I you know I started to learn that that's where I belong business marketing building reputation and growing relationship and um, I, I I felt I didn't feel like I was working I was working more than 10 hours a day, I was on call. Um, I told social worker and case manager, they could call me anytime and doctors. But it didn't feel like work for me. I think, you know, if, when people ask me, how do you do it? How do you feel a building full of Medicare? There's really no, I, I can't really tell you steps by steps. Like what was the key to, the, to my success was I love what I do. And I was very passionate about it. Um, people see that when I speak to doctors, when I speak to nurses on the floor, when I speak to care case managers uh, and social worker, they know I know about the patient. I read about the patient. I know the status of the patient. I spoke to the primary care, to the hospitalist, to the cardiologist, the pulmonologist. I introduced myself. And I think people like your personality when you're very real and you're very raw. You're not pretending to be somebody. I wasn't working a nine-to-five job. I treated that like it's my own business, like it's my problem. I did not go to work saying, why did you guys send those three patients out this week? No, my job was to fill the beds, and that's what I focused, and it didn't feel like I was working. I love doing it, and people recognize me. I didn't follow the other competition. I didn't find them as competition. I did my own thing. When everybody went to the right, I went to the left. When everybody went straight, I went behind. I went where people did not go. I went outside my comfort zone. And I, I made it, a, I made it a, a lifestyle. I became friends with the doctors, with the social worker. They invited me to events. I wasn't Part of the ACO, I, the CEO of the hospital didn't know me. The director of case manager, she barely knew me. But I was killing the census, and I was killing the competition, and I was killing the competitors. And um, you know, I did not go there thinking I'm gonna take somebody else's patients. I was just doing me, and I was just screening. I was getting to, you know, I'm, I'm very accommodating with it when it terms to, doctor, to to you know to doctors and cardiologists and other specialists you know i was able to bring on other specialists to come in the building and give them business because i was a nurse so i know when a patient has a CHF COPD problem i would educate the nurse that we need to order you know um that patient needs to be seen for continuity of care so they don't go they don't need to go back to the hospital and um yeah i i just i think you just the formula is to really just be yourself and you need to love what you do. It can't be a nine to five job. Um,
0: well, wow! Know?
1: And I, I did that. That's that's just what I did. There's no formula to success. You need to love what you do. You need to be passionate. You need to have compassion. People see that. You can't lie. Follow ups is very important. You need to be consistent. You need to be consistently consistent. You can't be a, a a five Monday and then a seven on Tuesday and then a nine on a Wednesday. I was always a ten, um, and I was very accommodating. And you know, I worked like as if it was my business, as if it was my money.
0: Um, wow, and- wow! So you don't you don't know this yet, but I actually have another podcast that's called the Love Your Nine to Five Show, and over there we talk about this concept in great length about how passion, besides for making it, that if you love your job, you don't work a day in your life because it's fun, but it will also make you the most successful. If you decide that you want to find a job that pays the most and you put yourself through med school and you become a heart surgeon or whatever, I don't know what pays the most right now, and you hate it, you might be making all the money, you might have everything that you want, but most of the day you're spent doing whatever you do professionally, it's not going to be pleasant and you're not going to be successful.
1: That became my lifestyle. The doctors became my friends. They invited me to Vegas parties. They invited me to talks, to CHF talks, to pharmaceutical talks. I found myself working from 7 p.m. to 10 o'clock. I was attending a, a cardiology party. Dr. Mark Leventhal, he would bring me and he would introduce me to all the cardiologists in New Jersey. Um, you know he was and other doctors they would invite me on events because they like to be around me i didn't talk much about asking for patients because when they saw my face they know i work for this company there's no need to go every day and text a doctor and say can i have one patient can i have two patients do you have anybody ready today because they know i branded myself i work for this company and you know i need patients so i stayed relevant that became my lifestyle they became my friends so building relationship is very important, not just to the hospital. Yeah, that's important to support the hospital. But I think the people in the hospital, the people that works in the hospital, such as doctors, social worker, case managers, it's good to have a good relationship with them. It basically became my lifestyle. And, you know, um, little did I know I was making Friends and I was going on vacation with these doctors, and I was—they were filling my beds. So I wow. think relationship building is very important. And that was the same doctor, the, the biggest hospitalist, hired me to run his business um, because he had a hospitalist, and we were—he he was overseeing four hospitals: JFK, Somerset Medical Center, Robert Wood Johnson, and Phillipsburg Saint Luke's. Um, and he hired me to oversee about 50 doctors. We hire and fired the doctors and we oversee that. He said, I want you to work for me and I want you to run my business the way you... Now,
0: now, at that point, were you still involved in nursing home?
1: Um, at that point, I stopped working with nursing home. I started to become the administrator for a big hospitalist group who goes to four hospitals.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: and we took position as medical directors and my job was to support nursing homes and to hire doctors and place them and teach them. When doctors get out of school, um, we they're good at doing medicine, but then when we don't have patients the next day, we won't have revenue. It's the same thing with nursing home. So I had to teach them marketing and business development. They need to market themselves to other specialists, to ER doctors, because the business needs to be flowing. We need to have a census. They need to speak nicely to nurses in the in the nursing home because we 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 were placed as medical directors. So I, you know, I coach them how to, you know, being a doctor is one thing. Now how to become a doctor when you're a real doctor and working in the hospital and rounding a nursing home is a different thing. It's also building relationship. Because if the nursing home likes you, they're gonna assign more patients to you and they're gonna make you Medical directors, cons- consulting medical directors, which I know you understand that. So my mm-hmm. my focus was to build the business and make it bigger. And
0: got it, got it. Got it. Um, so I mean just going going full circuit here, going back to our original question. So the question is that people want to know if I'm hired, let's say as a liaison, or if I'm an administrator and I just hired a liaison and I, and or I have my marketing team and I want I tell them census, census, census like Mel said over here, right? Census, census, census. And I know that that's what's important. I want the census to grow and I want it to keep on growing. So now my liaison says, well, what should I do? Just knock it down people's doors. I think what what I'm taking from you, and I have my own experience with liaisons and each one has a different style of doing it and different levels of success. But if you want to really uh, be successful, it has to be a natural fit. It can't be that it bothers you that you went to the hospital four times in one day and that they keep on calling you. And it it has to be that you're excited when the phone rings and that you genuinely care deeply for the residents and their families. You genuinely care deeply for the nurses. You understand what it means when you're bringing in three admissions and the first one is supposed to come by three and they all show up, you know, at seven o'clock at the same time, right, or or 10 o'clock or whatever it is. And these nurses were ready to leave and you, you here's an admission. And you explain to them, you get the nurses buy-in, right? The nurses should understand that an admission should be celebrated, right? And they shouldn't, they shouldn't be concerned about
1: it. Them. Right now, you have a broken system. Every day, there's a census crisis. You're always going to have a census crisis unless you have a good face that actually loves their job. And it's not just a nine-to-five and... know and you know what i didn't do i didn't gossip or talk about other people or you know you you want to avoid that like try to be try to be you know trying to join any politics or any sides or anything you just have to do your job you need to focus you need to have a relationship with your building um you need to have a good personality you have to be consistent you can't treat it like it's a nine to five job because you're the face of the company It's your responsibility. You can't go back to the building and say, why did you guys send out patients? Why did you guys do this? No, it's your job to bring patients. You have to take that on. And that's why you're getting paid the high money that we're paying you. That's why you were given that director title. Because this is your job. You have to go get it. Is it possible at 2020 to have a full census? Absolutely. If you water, you know, I believe in this thing. If you water the plants daily, it has no choice but to grow. So that's the same thing with business. That's the same thing with census. Why nursing home owners thinks they can't be full? Because there's a disconnect between the liaison. You know, she's, you know, they need to be, you need to want to do your job. It's, you can't just say, I want to have a full building. There's no patience today. You need to build relationships.
0: Got it. Got it. So, but as, it seems like just from your experience, from what you're sharing so far, that the relationships on the bottom of the hospital um, is what affects uh, immediate admissions more than the directive case management. like you mentioned earlier you don't know the directive case management necessarily but the people who are actually making the decisions people who are holding the charts in their hands saying where are we sending sally today we have these six they have to go out today oh when us is here she always just makes it easier and we like when she's here and you know she always has something smart to say and she lifts our spirits and she walks in what could you help us with today? Well, I have two open beds. Okay, this one, that one. Here, take these two. Thank you so much. Great seeing you. Come come again tomorrow. As opposed to someone else who's there, who's all bent over and upset and has tons of pressure. Like, please, 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 give me patience. Now, people will yeah. be less likely to do that. Let, let's just, because the time is late and you've already shared so much value, you, you spoke how you started as a nurse, became a clinical liaison. It seems like wherever you went, you people were impressed with your skills. Where you were pulled,
1: I got a lot of offers because I didn't know that I was hurting other people's senses. And you know, I started working for a corporation where my main job was to teach them how I work. They said we love Mm -hmm. your, we love how you work. Like you work like it's your own business. Um, We want you to board to you to build many more freedas we want you to make our liaison freedas and you know, and i did that um but sometimes so I tried you know I, I speak to them i you know I tell them guys you know you don't go back to the building and say the building looks horrible or you're a two-star building that's why we pay you the the, the high the the, the, the the you know the high salary because it's your job to go to the hospital and make it don't make mm-hmm. it these are excuses that liaison use, that the building is not nice, or There are strong. reasons,
0: and there are excuses, but yeah, the job is to fill it anyway.
1: It's your job. Ladies. The administrator's
0: job is to fix those problems, but the liaison's mm-hmm. job is to fill the building. The building but so just back to seeing, I'm just drawing a parallel here that when you were a nurse, the CFO pulled you off the floor to be a liaison. When you're in the liaison, the head of the hospitalist group pulled you off that to manage the hospital. So tell us now, how, and you said you always uh, view this as your own business. Well, now you've had the, opp- the opportunity to actually start your own business. So tell us how that went and how Aseem Telehealth is now kind of being the glue to marry the hospitals uh, to the nursing homes. And how how is Aseem Telehealth uh, providing that level of care to make sure that the patients can stay in the nursing home when they should?
1: So when I was the administrator for KNJ Hospitalist group, we managed four hospitals. I have 50 doctors under me. We were medical directors everywhere. I noticed that they would have census meeting and they, we, would, we, need, we needed to attend those. The problem was we need patients all the time and you can't send patients out. So I, I, I realized there was a missing piece which is, yes, we can give the patient because we have the numbers where the main hospital is. We run the hospitals. Mm-hmm. We have a good relationship with the community doctors. And we have good relationship with the patient from the beginning of the admission until the end because I tell the doctor, you need to have a good relationship with the patient because if the patient loves you, the patient will know where you are because mm-hmm. it's a of care. So they can go back home to where they need to be Um, before all this started if it was a stroke patient so if they trust you they're going to trust where you go then we could give business to the nursing home and we'll have answers to all of this so but there was still a disconnect so this is when I got into telemedicine five years ago because I noticed as a nurse three to eleven and I've worked eleven to seven floor when all the CEOs when all the director of nursing and administrators goes home and it's Friday and there's the sundown and everybody, you know, has to go and Monday it's a holiday. You know, nursing is a hard job. Being a director of nursing is a hard job. Um, you can't be working 24 seven. You need to sleep because you have to go to work the next day. So, um, I notice that three to eleven and eleven to seven is when we use agency nurses. When we communicate with doctor, they're not as confident, and their skills is not up to par where we need them to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, if a patient is not feeling well, and the patient is on PO levocaine, I'm not gonna call the doctor and say, "Hey, doc, I have Mrs. Smith here. She's not feeling well." And she has UTI, and I think the UTI is becoming worse. Can we start an IV? Have you ever heard a nurse say that? Can I start an IV? Should we start fluids? Can we do UACNS, CBC CMP? They weren't doing that because they're not confident. They're not used to speaking to a doctor. So, you know, when I got into telehealth, I did a lot of research. I did a lot of traveling. I went to shows. And it, it's really a really good component to add in that nursing um, as part of quality and key, and maintaining senses. You know, having a telemedicine in the nursing home is not just, you're providing the highest quality of care, but you're also maintaining your senses and you're also educating and helping your nurses and supporting them when they need it the most because you don't have your DON. Your administrator's not there. The CEO, the regionals are not there.
0: You Got have
1: people making a decision to To get this one patient but you use one person, one LPN or one RN to send a patient out. It shouldn't be like that. So this is when I incorporated telemedicine. I told Dr. Modi who was the owner, I told him I wanted to start my own business. I wanted to start a telemedicine business. I think we should put telemedicine in the nursing home from 7pm to 7am so when somebody's crashing there's no DON, people are done rounding. Mm -hmm. Instead of Calling 911, or instead of calling the covering doctor and saying, this patient is not feeling well, the vital signs are this, they could, in a press of a button, they could see the patient, they could hear the patient's heart sounds, lung sounds, we could do EKG, we could do bowel sounds, we could assess the patient, we could diagnose, and we could treat in place. And we could tell the nurse, listen, I need you to start an IV. Okay, you're not you're not doing it right. We could see it. It has a powerful camera. When a, When a patient falls and the patient hit the head we don't know if that's a trauma or there's a bleed there we could actually assess because he has a powerful camera and you have a doctor signing and saying you know what there's nothing wrong with the patient let's check vitals every 2 hours mm-hmm. if, if there's a change of status call me so it you know you're giving that it's it's a good thing it's it's the, it's a continuing education for 3 to 11 and 11 to 7 nurses and weekends this is when we need help the most in the nursing
0: That's true it's true. I mean I, I know we can devote a whole separate episode just to talking about telehealth. But for me what's most fascinating right here is the net is if you would like the the birthing stages of of the company where it started as a nurse. became is on managed hospitals, really got to understand all the components of of the healthcare continuum, uh, specifically as it relates to senior care develop the relationships with the physicians and the clinicians that are going to provide that care and then find the means to provide the care where it's needed most. So if, if our listeners or our viewers want to learn more about you, Frida, and, and about your company, where's the best place for us to tell them, to, to send them to learn more about your business?
1: Well, so, you know, I'm in LinkedIn. I'm always available um, I'm at Teeny Telehealth and you guys can follow me on LinkedIn. I am all. I also have a Facebook page at Teeny Telehealth. I also have a website at www.atinitelehealth.com. And you know, um, I'm very I'm very involved with the business. I like talking to people, um, even if you're not signing up, I like to answer questions, um, whether it's marketing, it's clinical, whether it's telemedicine, whether it's billing. I do a lot of coaching to doctors because of the COVID-19 happening. A lot mm-hmm. of the doctors that didn't adapt to telemedicine, now they want to be telemedicine expert. So I use a lot of my time coaching doctors, teaching nurses, how, you know the, this is now the new standard the new standard of care. It's no longer a question of should we get telemedicine.
0: So I encourage the listeners of viewers to take advantage of freedom of expertise. And like she said, even if you're not sure if this is right for you, even if you don't have a facility, if you're a physician, you want to know how to adapt uh, during COVID-19 and during the, the new normal, or, if, you, if you're an operator and you want to learn more about what this means and how it might benefit you, head on over to Athenetelehealth.com. And for those who are following the Nursing Home Podcast, um, you can find this episode and all other previously recorded episodes at Athenetelehealth at the Nursing Home Podcast.com. And there you will find all sorts of issues. We've covered telehealth extensively, um, and you will find everything there. Okay, thank you Frida so much for coming on to the Nursing Home Podcast, sharing your story, and sharing a little bit about how your business evolved, which frankly I did not know and I found that fascinating. So thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with all of your friends in the nursing home industry and just tell them to head on over to the nursinghomepodcast.com. Have an awesome day.